So you got your Bibles, turn it open to 1 John. Let's go to 1 John. All right. So the thing that I want to just continue for this Sunday, and then maybe we'll start touching on some um, things concerning the Christmas season that we're entering into. It's not happy holidays. It's happy Christmas. Amen. So we need to put Christ back in Christmas. Amen. How many of you know if the Muslims can say, I am blessed, we can much more say, I am blessed. Amen. I went to the shop that I normally go to. I just wanted to get something. And, uh, you know, I'm always greeted, hello, brother, how are you? So I go, hi, how are you? And then he goes, I'm blessed. How are you? And I said, I am extremely blessed. (laughs) Amen. Because we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So the thing that I want to remind you, J.D. shared a beautiful message with you last week about remember. So I want you to remember the two weeks before when I spoke about the authority that we have. Jesus is the king. And uh, his kingdom is to come to earth. That's why he taught us to pray. So prayer and the kingdom is linked. He said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so prayer and the kingdom is intricately interwoven. Okay. It's combined. So a great factor of the kingdom is prayer. There are a lot of things that we do. Now, remember, as a backdrop to this, I'm not advocating prayer only without doing. But then neither am I advocating doing without prayer. The prayer has to come first and then the doing. There is action, but it needs to be preceded by. It needs to be saturated in prayer. Is that okay? Jesus came as the Son of God, divine and human and perfect, but His whole life was given over to prayer. So um, in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer says he was heard because of his reverent submission. Because during his life and days on earth, he offered up loud cries and prayers and petitions, and he was heard. Amen? So he prayed in the kingdom. It's not like Jesus to tell us to do something that he doesn't do. Amen? Come on, he's not like your parents who said, don't do as I... Do, do as I say. No, no, no. I, that was just a tease. So he's not one of those kind of leaders. So he modeled what we are to do. And so he prayed. He saturated. He bathed his entire life and ministry in prayer. Look at the person next to you and say, now, Pastor John, it's definitely encouraging you. So in First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, John said this, if we ask Anything according to God's will, He hears us. Okay? So two things that I want to, um, or three things that I want to highlight. If we ask, everybody say ask. The asking is in prayer. Okay? The Bible says He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. I mean, those are some powerful verses. Isn't that right? If we know that He hears us, That whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him, the King James translation says. Now, the thing that I want to just encourage you with is that there's a, um, and you know, I want to encourage you with it, okay? And I, I want to try and teach it as accurate as I can and as encouragingly as I can, is that it is important for us to understand that prayer helps us to access all of the grace of God, okay? Prayer helps us to access all of the grace of God. I like it, and I'm almost sure it was Martin Luther, I think it was him, that says prayer is not an attempt to overcome the unwillingness of God, but to attain or to obtain that which God has made freely available to us. 
Is that okay? Yeah. And so we push in in prayer. So prayer is going to be one of the features of next year. So we need to pray. But prayer enables us to access all of the riches of God's grace. So if we ask anything, everybody say anything. anything. Say he hears us. So if he hears us, whatever we ask for, we know that we have it. Now I want to just insert something in there that I think is very important because I deliberately omitted it. So is everybody listening to me? So go back to verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have. Everybody say, I have confidence in prayer. So it says that if we ask anything, say anything. Now here is the clause. Here is the clause. According to his will. Everybody say, according to his will. So there are some things that I want us to understand that in our prayer lives, maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe not in ACF, but just maybe we're pursuing the things instead of pursuing the will of God. Now, a lot of the things we pursue is the will of God, but I want to expressly talk about the express, the overt, the made plain, you know, the stated will of God. And the will of God is really, really incredible for us. So how does the call, the bull's eye of God's will, how much of that features in our prayer lives? So I want to just adjust us a little bit. Is that okay? Now, and, and no way, in no way am I saying, don't pray for a new car. Don't pray for another job. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about let's reprioritize our prayer life. Is that okay? Turn to someone around you somewhere and say, Pastor John told me that he had you in mind when he was going to say this. No, I didn't have you in mind. But, um, so I need you to understand that right now, Jesus is continuing his ministry. Started it on earth, and after his ascension, he's continuing his ministry. Bible tells us, as our high priest, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And a lot of times, a lot of people don't see the context when they talk about the sifting of Simon Peter. When Jesus turned around and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as we, the you there is plural. It wasn't just Simon. It was all the disciples. They all ran away. Thomas got into unbelief. They all he spoke to Peter, but he put him into the context of all 12. Judas betrayed Jesus. Satan has desired, he's asked specific permission to sift all 12 of you as wheat. But Simon, I want you to know that I've prayed for all 12 of you. That's the context. But when you turn, when you turn, strengthen your brothers. Judas was not going to turn. But the others did turn. The other 11 turned. Is everybody following me? So right now, right now, in his priestly ministry, Jesus is praying for you and me. There's an intercession in heaven. But we are a kingdom. I've backed away from that point because I forgot this in my intro. So I've come back to my intro. Then I'm going back to that point. Is that okay? So we are a kingdom of priests. So we're a kingdom of priests. Both are important. We are priests unto God. Is that all right? And part of our priestly ministry is to represent people to God and God to people. And Paul says, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
be reconciled to God. Paul said, I went around, I exercised my priestly ministry and I preached the gospel. So part of the ministry of the priest and priestly ministry is preaching the gospel so people can be reconciled to God. As far as believers are concerned, our priestly ministry is that I must represent you to God and God to you. But you need to do that for one another. Because the priesthood of all believers is something that is a truth in the church. So I want you to know you're all okay. So everybody say, you're okay, you're okay. Turn to someone and say, you're okay. Say, uh, yeah, because Jesus is praying for you. Is that okay? You're going to make it. And also your pastor is praying for you. I laid awake last night until about 12.30. I want you to know I prayed for you over and over again. I prayed for you, I prayed for you, I prayed for everybody in ACF. I prayed for as many faces by name I could remember. And I still couldn't fall asleep. I prayed for the band. I prayed for the worship. I prayed for the service. I prayed for my message this morning. And I still couldn't sleep. So I went back and I started praying for all of you again. So, so, so everybody relax. Pastor John's prayed for you. With Jesus, prayed for you, okay? So you're covered in prayer. It was a good few hours of prayer. So around 12.30, I did fall asleep. And then it's just a horrible thing. Then 4.30, I was awake. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm looking forward to something this afternoon. Amen. All right, so our priestly ministry is prayer. Samuel said something. God forbid to the people of Israel that I should sin by not praying for you. Amen? So let's be people of prayer. So prayer accesses the riches of God's grace. So what, what is God's express will? What's God's express will for us? Just very quickly. Paul says this in Romans 8.29. That he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The context is this. The context is this. Not those people that are ugly to you. It's not that. But you can include that. Okay? It's not, you know, when your boss comes in and shouts at you because you're late. Or tells you you're not getting a Christmas bonus. Or there's no pay rises. And then you start quoting, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's not the context. But you can include that. Amen? Somebody didn't greet me when I came to church this morning. But it's okay. God is for me. Who can be against me? The context of Romans 8 is not that. It's not that. But you can include it. So Pastor John, what is the context? The context is those whom he foreknew. Is that right? He predestined. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And then he finished the work. He says those he justified, he glorified. So as far as the cross is concerned, you are already the finished product. Isn't that awesome? So he says, in view of this, in view of this, if God is for you, who can be against you? Because he's done everything for you, okay? So now you can take all those other things and include it in there. Is that all right? But he says this, that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And then there's about three times in the Bible where it says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. About three times. One of them is that you are full of the Holy Spirit. And so when last did you fall on your face and cry out to God and pray and say, Jesus, I am not enough like you. Your express will is that I should be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This is praying according to his will. Amen. And if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he will do whatever we've asked. So I've just put it in broad terms. And I need you to understand in broad terms, 
Jesus wants you perfected like him, matured. Jesus wants you full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants you full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When last did it concern us, maybe our tempers or our lack of patience, and we've gone to him in prayer and said, Jesus, I'm asking you according to your will to help me with patience. Help me to be more forgiving. Jesus, I need to express your nature. How many of you know the Bible says 100% sure he will give you what you've asked? Is everybody following me? We need to be concerned about his will for our lives. That's the starting point of prayer. From there, you know, it can flesh out. From there, it can expand. From there, we can start to include the other things. But we need to be prioritizing what is a priority to Jesus. And so it should be our concern. If my character in any way, if my attitude in any way, I need to take time to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I need transformation. If I lack wisdom, James says, ask him, and he will not find fault with you. He will liberally give you wisdom. Amen? Come on, we need wisdom. Amen? Amen. Maybe, just maybe, it's not your boss. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, slim chance, maybe it's you. You know, just by some remote chance, you know. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's not your boss. Maybe it's not the people at work. You know, just maybe, outside chance. Maybe it's you. So when last did you take you to pray? Stop praying and asking God to change them. God work in his heart. and You know, how about Jesus work in my heart? If we pray according to his will, he hears us. Amen. Come on, church. It's a good place. To, this is a really good Christmas message. After all, he came to save us from our sins. Isn't that right? And so it's important for us to have his priorities as our priorities. So through prayer, we access all the grace of God. Amen. I think, you know, our, our lives should be also, our spiritual life should be also part of our prayer list. Jesus, keep me full of your spirit. Keep me sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Jesus, make me more loving. Jesus, there's not enough love inside of me. Come on. The one thing that I took away from this weekend's conference and some of the other places where I've ministered as well, is the one thing that just keeps coming back is the love in ACF, the love of God. But I want to tell you, we're not there yet. Amen? We need to be praying, Jesus, I'm too unlike you. I need to be more like you. Give me a heart of love for people. Give me a heart of love for people. Give me a heart of love for people. And, and make that a priority in our prayer. Things like wisdom, faith, virtue, love, joy, godliness, prayerfulness, spirit-filledness. So many other things that we can pray for. I'm almost sure, I'm almost 100% certain, that if we make that a priority as well, then when we come to start praying these other things, our material blessing, I'm almost sure that we will see a change in the level of answered prayers. Amen? I'm almost convinced that we'll start to see breakthroughs in provision and other things. That we're not chasing the gifts, but we're pursuing the giver. That we're not looking for the handouts that God is an ATM, ka-ching, ka-ching. You know, when we pray, God dish it out, just dole it out. You know, God's concern is firstly us. 
I mean, he sent his son Jesus for your transformation. Amen? And if we're not being transformed, it's not all my responsibility. Some of it may be. But there's also you are responsible for your life. And you need to be praying over your life. So we will access all of his grace through prayer. Amen. So everybody say, Lord Jesus, I access your grace. Continue to give me your grace in Jesus' name. Second thing, prayer releases God's power. Look at James 5.16. James chapter 5 verse 16. One of the great theologians says this. So you need to listen. It says, prayer, this is what he says, prayer in and of itself possesses no power. Many religions pray. Prayer in it and of itself possesses no power. Prayer is powerful because God is powerful. Prayer is the means through which that divine power is released and channeled into our lives. In other words, all the power in prayer is really God's power activated by your prayers. Amen? So in other words, when you pray for another person, nothing flows from you to him. He's not getting some vibe, some weird energy from you. He's not getting, no, 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 no. That prayer ascends to the Father. And then from Him descends the prayer. From God to those person. Thus it becomes divine and human cooperation. God and me working together. Amen? And so my futile little prayers, my prayer limited in wisdom, and anything else, when I pray, it is absorbed into the being of God. And there's a good picture of it in Revelation chapter 8. Our prayers, our worship going up as incense. It's like God inhales it. You know, my prayers become part of His being. And then the angel takes the coal off the altar and he hurls it to earth. There's lightning and thunder and, and all kinds of things. In other words, what transpires in heaven then has an earthly interaction. Amen? So suddenly your prayers become supernatural and powerful. Amen? So my praying is not me somehow influencing. My prayer is moving the hand of God in that sense. And God's hand, blessing. Amen? So prayer becomes powerful. So James 5.16 says, um, confess your faults one to another. Pray for another to be healed. And it says this, the effectual, the fervent prayer of a righteous person, righteous man or woman, say it, availeth much. Amen? So say, your prayers avail much. Your prayers, your prayers, your prayers, my prayers. Our prayers avail much. They are powerful and effective. And so prayer is a release of God's power or releases God's power. So prayer is powerful and effective. It's amazing that prayer, you know, the power in prayer is rich. It's mobile. And all we have to do is pray. All we're doing is we're indicating in prayer. We're pointing to in prayer. We're pointing to the situation. Or we're pointing to the person in prayer. We're identifying. But we move the hand of God to touch them. We release divine supernatural power. It's amazing. You know, it's so amazing that one of my favorite Bible writers is someone by the name of R.A. Torrey. And he says this, or Torrey says this, Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is. And all that God has is at the disposal of prayer. Prayer can do anything that God can do. And as God can do anything, then prayer becomes omnipotent. Let me say that again. It says, prayer is key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of prayer. 
Prayer can do anything that God can do. And as God can do anything, then prayer is omnipotent. Omnipotent. Prayer can do what political action can't, what education can't, what military power can't, what planning committees can't. Um, all these are powerless in comparison. But prayer, Jesus said, can move mountains. Prayer can change human hearts and minds. Prayer can change families. It can change um, suburbs and cities and nations. It's the ultimate source of power because it is the power of Almighty God released when we pray. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome? And so prayer, you know, one of my first encounters with prayer when I first came to this church, there was a young couple that visited this church every now and then. And they would come, and I, I saw an incredible potential in them. But they would come every now and then, every now and then. And I just kept seeing this potential. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm not going to say anything to them. I'm not going to ask them, invite them, encourage I'm not going to say anything. Lord, all I'm going to do is pray. I'm just going to pray. And so I started to pray for this couple. And it wasn't a month. And I noticed that suddenly the attendance was every Sunday. And instead of coming and sitting near the back, they came in and sat near the front. And then they came up and they said, she said, no, no, we, we love this church. We want to get involved. Um, um, she wanted to help out with the children. And then they, but they both wanted to help out with the worship. And I didn't know he was an amazing musician. And they were our first worship leaders, amongst the first worship leaders in the church. And all it was was prayer. Come on, church. You know that we may not all be Reynard Bonkers, but we're all disciples. We can all pray. And you might not feel that you're absolutely fluent with the Bible, but that's okay. Because, you know, the humblest believer, the lowest educated believer, is more powerful than any politician when they're on their knees praying. There's a divine influence that can be brought to bear. Come on, you can change your families. You can change your homes in prayer. Is that okay? Come on, you can prevent things from happening. You can cause things to happen all through getting on your knees and praying. Come on, church. I want us to go out of 2019 praying. I want us to go into 2020 praying. Is that okay? Because the vision is too big for us. It's too big for me. But it's not too big for God, and we will access all the blessing of God, and we'll bring it into 2020. And this time next year, we're going to stand back and go like, oh, Lord Jesus, look what happened this year. This is incredible. And it'll be because of prayer. And you can bring that into your personal life as well. Come on. You are not at the whim of things that are happening in the country. No. You are at the mercy of God, and that's a good mercy, a good place to be. So prayer releases God's power. Thirdly, the second last, prayer is the key to a successful and fruitful and blessed life and ministry. Amen? It's really interesting that Jesus prayed it in John 17, and here he says it again in John 14. But where he spoke about the fact, and uh, maybe we can read verses 12 and 13, John 14. I'll just read it in the version that I've got here. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Listen to this. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Is that good? So your life can become fruitful. The more favor you experience, the more blessing that you experience on your life, the more God gets the glory. And as I've been studying prayer, 
um, John Stott, a great writer that I admire, he says this. He says, the main goal of prayer is not even evangelism. The main goal of prayer is not even winning souls. The goal of prayer is, the, if, if you were to look at it biblically, the goal of all prayer, number one, is to glorify God. He's glorified by the fruit and the growth and the miracles and all of those things. So Jesus said, you know, the Father's going to be glorified because what I'm doing, you're going to do, but you're going to do it even greater. You're going to do even greater things. And the Father will receive glory because it will be a manifold glory. It will be many more people bringing glory to God. So God is glorified by your growth. God is glorified by your spiritual transformation. God is glorified by everything that is happening in your life spiritually. God is glorified if we keep the priority. And God is glorified when you're blessed with a job. God is glorified when you get blessed with a new car. Isn't that right? God is glorified when your finances go up. God is glorified when you healed. Is that good? And so the end result of all of this is that God is glorified. Amen? And so your life, your ministry, everything. I want to tell you everything that you've gone through this year. and You've come out the other side and you've come out shining. And you're further along the line. You're closer to the image of Jesus. God's glorified. I mean, you know, just to come out the same at the end of the year is already a win. (laughs) Amen. Because we live in a world that is opposed to you and to Christianity. It's opposed to your growth. There's forces that are aligned against you. So if there's been increase in growth, I mean, how much more glory does God get? Last point as we close. Prayer... Prayer is power against the enemy. Prayer is a great key into defeating the powers of darkness. It really is an amazing thing. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Our enemy, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Like a roaring lion. And the enemy is there. But how many of you know Jesus included in kingdom praying when he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So there is that element of prayer. Um, there is that aspect of prayer. And uh, prayer will keep us. Prayer will save us. Is that okay? And many times, many times, um, you've prayed over your lives. And you've not seen it, but an attack of the enemy has been averted. You've prayed over your lives. And you've missed something, you know, uh, that maybe the enemy uh, meant for your ill. And so God's intention for us is sometimes he allows us to go through it. Sometimes he helps us to avert it. But there are plans of the enemy which do not feature in the overall plan of God for your life. Because he would like to trip you up. And that's why Paul tells us that in every temptation, God provides a way of escape. That you'll be able to stand up under. There's an escape door. There's an escape route in everything, in every temptation. And if it's a weight on you, he says he'll strengthen you so you'll be able to stand up under it. So there's some things that we have to endure, but your knees won't give way. And sometimes God says, no, I don't want you in here. If you look around somewhere, somewhere in the scenario, there's an exit. Somewhere in that whole thing, there's a way out, and God will highlight the exit. This way out. Amen. So sometimes there's an exit route. Woo-hoo, let's take this and let's get out of here. Amen. God is faithful. So he'll give you the wisdom out. He'll give you the power to stand up. Or he'll give you the authority to overcome. It was interesting. The other day, 
Um, Ryan needed some of his documents and things, and Bev went through the envelope in which there are all the birth certificates and things, and she said, look, John, and she pulled out the doctor's certificate when that time when Ryan fell in the pool and drowned, and the doctor's summary was over there. And it just reminded me again of the power of prayer twice in his life. Um, he's alive today because we prayed. Amen. Come on. Somebody has been praying for you. That's why you're here today. Is that all right? You are the subject. You are the object of someone's prayers. Never forget the vision that Andre had the one day. It, just, it meant such a lot to me uh, because, you know, I studied prayer a lot. I read many testimonies of prayer, many, many testimonies. And of people across the world praying for someone at the same time, and, and the news doesn't always come out. You don't always know. He doesn't always give you the feedback. Sometimes feedback comes sufficient for us to share testimonies, sufficient for us to be encouraged. But, you, you know, it's just for God to validate your praying. There are times when you're praying. I mean, I don't know why I laid awake for more than three and a half hours last night praying, you know, um, and praying for all of you and covering all of you and praying for the service and praying for myself. But Andre had this vision one day in worship that he was in the sort of the catacombs, you know, where the early um, saints would go and pray in hiding when Christianity was so severely persecuted. And there was these grottos where the Christians would go in and pray. I mean, they're still in existence in Europe, um, Eastern Europe. These places where the saints would go and pray, caves in the ground. They would go and pray there. And Andre had this, while he was in worship, he was walking through the catacomb and he could hear the sound of a voice. And as he approached and he looked into the one alcove or tomb type place, there was a, someone, turned out later a man, and, uh, but he was hooded you know, like the monks used to be hooded. And there this man was on his knees, and he was praying and praying. And as he came up closer by the Spirit, Andre knew that he was praying in the Holy Ghost. He was praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, of course, these people were alive and lived centuries ago, centuries ago. And when he observed this, and he was aware that this person was praying in tongues, he asked the Lord, you know, so what is he praying? And God spoke to him and explained. He said, he's praying ahead of his time. He was praying for you. Come on. You might even be praying centuries ahead of time. Your prayers will live on. Is that okay? Your prayers will live on. Next to my desk is a written out prayer that was framed. And we had Auntie Joan in the church. I'm closing with this. But Auntie Joan, a little short lady and um, English lady. They came from the Methodist church. They came first service was holy chaos blowout. She ended up on the floor two of the ladies that came from the Presbyterian Church, Presbyterian Church, and I said to Bev, we'll never see them again. But they were completely addicted and hooked from that day. I think it was the next service she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then her, um, you know, and her husband, Uncle Arthur, used to do the, the feeding scheme down here at the shopping center, and great miracles. This little lady, I remember when the revival broke out, the power of God hit her. She was so short, she was running on the spot, but her feet didn't touch the ground. You know, she said, ding, 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 ding. when she sat on these chairs, her feet didn't touch the ground. But what a giant spiritually on the inside. Very quiet, very gentle, very soft-spoken, and uh, just powerful. She would just walk up to people at the soup kitchen, feeding them, walk up to put their arms around them, and demons would manifest, and, and, and you know, people getting healed. Amazing. But she was given over to prayer. And when eventually she went to be with the Lord, the family members went through her Bible, and there they found a prayer written on a postcard size of paper, praying for my pastor, Pastor John. And just written out there, 
was a short little prayer, how she prays every day for Bev and myself. And they framed it and they gave it to me. It sits in my office. Auntie Joan's prayers are still praying. I read it every now and then. I say, Auntie Joan, thank you for praying for me. Come on, prayer is powerful. Amen? God forbid that we should sin by not praying. It, it forbids dark powers. You know the story in Exodus 17, verse 18, and, and I'm going to stop. When the Amalekites came to attack Israel at a place called Rephidim in Exodus 17, and they were perpetual and eternal enemies. The Bible says, God said, I will be against them forever. And one of the things that you can trace all the way through the Bible, and you can see how they remained enemies of Israel. And so they became symbolic of Satan and his attack on us. Um, and God said, get Joshua and go out and fight them. And one of the things that Moses did when he sat on the hill and watched is that they were being defeated. But whenever he raised his hands in prayer, they were winning. Come on, there's a picture for us. Come on, there's a Bible picture for us. You will advance in your life when your hands are lifted up. Is that okay? That's when God was revealed as Jehovah Nissi. He said because hands were raised. Another way of saying it was because hands touched the throne of God. In other words, some human being lifted up his hands and touched the authority of heaven. And that power came to bear on the spiritual forces of darkness. And every time we touch the throne of God in prayer, authority is released. And just the incredible lesson that must have been to Moses as he sat and watched out in flesh and blood, in actual life, the effect of prayer right before his eyes. Hands down, Joshua loses, the Amalekites win. Hands up in prayer, Joshua wins, and the Amalekites are defeated. What a visible picture for us. Come on, church. That uh, for us to learn to lift up hands and touch the throne of God, that Jehovah Nissi can be revealed in our midst. Amen. So there's great power opposing the forces of darkness in prayer. We will drive back things. Is that okay? One of the things that um, Paul told Timothy to encourage the church was that first of all, prayer to be made for all of those in authority. And the reason is because his desires that all men everywhere might be saved and that we might live peaceable and godly lives. Amen. Come on. Amen. There is a blinding work of the enemy that comes over the minds and souls of people. And if we don't pray, that same blindness can affect us. And so Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that the importance of prayer as a weapon of spiritual warfare, to stand and having done all to stand, because at the end of the day, there is an enemy of the soul. At the end of the day, there is an accuser of the brethren. At the end of the day, he would love to stop us because he would try to pervert. But Jesus said, uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Come on. So we should be concerned if there's no spiritual advance in the church. We should be concerned if there's no atmosphere. We should be concerned at our own selves if we're not growing. We should be concerned and say, Lord, why am I not progressing? Why am I not growing? Why am I not going? We should be taking hold of God and praying for ourselves. And one of the areas is, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I just want you to lift your hands, and I want you just to start praying after me. Say, Father... I take seriously 
my ministry as a priest, king, in your kingdom. I take seriously the fact that I need, as a priest, to be praying, to be reflecting your ministry in heaven here on earth. Father, I thank you that through prayer I access all of your grace. And Father, I pray this morning that even over this rest time that I'm growing and increasing in the knowledge of God and in favor with God and with man, that I am moving closer to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ to represent him made in his image and his likeness. Father, I thank you that through prayer we release all of your power, all of the power of heaven. Thank you that prayer, therefore, becomes omnipotent. There's no limitation. And so, God, I present myself to you as one who will pray. But, Father, as the subject also of that prayer, God, I ask you today to give me all my daily bread, everything that that looks like. Father, I ask for finances. I ask for health. I ask for an increase in my work and salvation for my family members as well. Blessing upon ACF. Lord, I thank you that as I pray, I'm indicating the direction to which your power must be released. Father, I want to thank you that prayer is the key to my successful life and successful ministry in the kingdom. Thank you that you are glorified and will be glorified in 2020. Father, I want to thank you that prayer is the key to souls being saved. And Lord, that I can pray not only for family members, but for those that I don't even know, and that they shall receive salvation. Lord, you will transmit prayer, transmit power through me to every corner of the world. And Lord, I want to thank you. Prayer is the key to defeating the enemy of my soul. Father, I thank you, and I ask you again today to lead me not into temptation, but to deliver me from the evil one. Father, that as Paul said to Timothy, that my progress, my profiting, my increase shall be evident to everyone. And Lord, the hand of blessing will be upon my life. And Lord, I will have a reason to glorify you, a reason to share testimonies. Father, that will convince others and bring them into the kingdom. So, Father, right now, we pray for all of ACF. We pray for every member. We pray for every attendee. We pray for every friend. We pray for every family member of everyone in ACF. God, we ask for your hand upon their lives. We pray for the Revive Net churches. We pray for the, the churches that we are in relationship with. We ask for your hand of blessing on them in the name of the Lord Jesus. And right now, Lord, we can influence governments while they're resting on a day off. God, we're lifting up their hands. We lift up the hands of our president. God, we ask for wisdom. We ask for increase of understanding. God, we ask that you would give him the resolve, the will, Lord, to move and to enact and to bring good governance, to end corruption. Lord, to see this country prospering. Lord, elevate South Africa. Raise it up, O oh God. Give it a different reputation. Father, we thank you for the prophetic mandate on South Africa. This country shall be blessed. Lord, the prophetic word was that this country shall be an instrument of revival in the whole world. Lord, the prophetic word said others would beat a path to the doorway 
of South Africa to see how they brought around the turnaround. So God, we thank you. It shall come to pass in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Father, Lord, you rest your blessing upon us. Lord, we speak peace to ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.